Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to the John Clay Podcast. I'm John Clay, sports columnist with the Lexington Arrow Leader and Kentucky.com. It is actually Saturday night, November 12, 2022. Earlier today, the Kentucky Wildcats took a 24-21 loss to the Vanderbilt Commodores, a stunning loss by Kentucky. Vanderbilt snapped a 26-game SEC losing streak by coming into Kroger Field and knocking off Mark Stoops' Wildcats. Kentucky dropped to 6-4 and four on the season, 3-4. and four. In the SEC, Vanderbilt improved to four and six. It was, as I said, the Commodores' first SEC win since 2019, all the way back to the pre-pand, to the pre-pandemic era, if you want to call it that. To help me discuss what happened today at Kroger Field, it's my friend and colleague, my fellow sports columnist at the Lake Scenario Leader and Kentucky.com, Mark Story. We'll get right into it with Mark. First, I want to remind you, you can you can follow me on Twitter at John Clay IV. Send me an email, jclay at herald-leader.com. Leave us a rating and review on anywhere where you find these podcasts, especially Apple Podcasts. That helps more people find it. And we appreciate everybody who supports our work at the Lex and Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. So hit on that subscription tab on Kentucky.com and check out all the offers to subscriptions to Kentucky.com and the print edition of the Lexington Herald Leader. Okay, I put it off long enough. We're going to go over what happened today, what went wrong for Kentucky today in that stunning 24-21 loss to the Vanderbilt Commodores. Let's get right to it, my conversation with Mark Story. Okay, here with Mark Story after Kentucky's 24-21 loss to Vanderbilt earlier this afternoon at Kroger Field. Uh, Mark, uh, Vandy snaps a 26-game SEC losing streak. Uh, would you say this was the worst loss in Mark Stoops' 10 years as a Kentucky coach? I would. I don't know that the coaching was as bad in this game as in the 2015 Vanderbilt game. You just had to bring that up. Just had to bring up that game, didn't you? It was probably the worst coach game, you know, at the SEC level I've ever seen. Um, But I don't think the coaching was as bad in this game. But just in terms of you know where the program has been, what the aspirations were for Kentucky in the current season, the fact that Vanderbilt was on a twenty-six game SEC losing streak, I think you know given you know all those factors, I would say it is the worst loss of the Mark Stoops coaching era. So is Mark Stoops to blame? 
I don't think Mark Stoops has done a very good coaching job this year. And I say that as someone who respects the job Mark has done here. His team does not appear to me to have gotten any better. The, the same mistakes are made over and over. Um, you know, they have the same problems now they had at the, in the first game of the year. And uh, I think this is the second time they've lost at home to a team that they had better talent in and looked to me to be the less motivated, less energized team. So, yeah, I think Mark carries a good good bit of blame. Yeah, I, I agree, with the, especially with the last part. Uh, yeah, this is the first time they've lost to South Carolina and Vanderbilt in the same season since 2013. You got two bad losses this year, in my opinion, South Carolina. I know Will Levis was out, but Kentucky, uh, to me, it wasn't uh, – and, and Levis didn't play in that game, and you're missing your starting quarterback. But Kentucky just did not rally around at all. They got – totally outplayed in that game. It really wasn't even as close as a 24-14 final. And today, to me, it just came down to, even with all the mistakes and everything, Vanderbilt just seemed like they wanted it more. They were the more energized, juiced-up team. To me, it looked like Vanderbilt came in here thinking, you know, it's cold weather. Kentucky isn't really going to want to play. You know, we can. this is our, our opportunity. And Vanderbilt, to their credit, have been playing a little better of late. They played Missouri down to the wire before losing. Uh, the score was probably not indicative of the way it was against South Carolina, but it was 38-27 final score there. They did put up a fight. And I think they thought this is our opportunity. And uh, Kentucky played right into their hands because I thought they played flat. They didn't seem to have much enthusiasm or energy right from the start of the game. And you can't, you got to blame. Obviously, the players have to get themselves prepared to play, but ultimately, that's the coach's job. And that's twice this season where we've had, at least twice, where we've seen that happen. Yeah, I thought Vanderbilt clearly played with more want to, quote unquote. And the more deserving team won the game. Absolutely. I mean, you know, Kentucky put itself in position to win, and the one guy who, you know, I thought stepped up and sort of imposed his will on the game for Kentucky was Christopher Rodriguez in the fourth quarter. And, you know, after he ripped off that 72-yard touchdown run, you know, they, they were in position to win on a day when they really didn't deserve it. And, you know, obviously they, you know, they had the interception by Terrell Asian that might have clinched the game, but was nullified by the, you know, uh, personal foul, hands to the face penalty called on Octavius Oxendine. But even after that, they had them fourth and seven at the 49 and gave up that 40-yard pass. And I thought that was bad coaching because, you know, Carrington Valentine had gotten hurt. They had a, you know, Maxwell Hairston, a very young, inexperienced defensive back in his place. And they put him on, he was on an island with right. no, no help. Right. And, and I just, I think that was bad coaching. Right. Right. On a one-on-one matchup. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. Uh, okay. Let's break, break it down a little. Op- I'm going to save the offense for last, but defensively, uh, Vanderbilt ran all over Kentucky. It's the most yards of Vanderbilt has run for against Kentucky all the way back to 1994. They had two 100-yard rushers, both in Ray Davison and the quarterback Mike Wright, who's not who has played a bunch, but he's not their starting quarterback. AJ Swan, their starting quarterback, was out for this game. Uh, what what to your untrained eye <laughs> and my untrained eye? What 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 was going wrong there? How was Vanderbilt able to just run all over Kentucky? Well, I thought Wright did some really clever ball handling early in the game, especially, and, 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 and was able to break off some some good plays. And you know, obviously, you know, he's a dual threat, and you know, he was able to to make some runs, you know, on get get to the edge on scrambles and make some plays. And Ray Davis is really good. He's run the ball well against a lot of people, and he's a guy that's always seems to be going forward. Right. Kentucky would hit him, 
and you know and have a chance to stop him you know for you know two yard gain and he would you know just keep churning and make it a six yard gain and that happened a lot and i think that's to his credit but i also think it gets back to kentucky just not being really ready to play yeah yeah, I mean, and the thing Brad White, Kentucky's defensive coordinator, complained about after the game, the thing that killed him, Vandy was 11 of 17 on third down. They came in uh, somewhere around 100 or something like that in third down conversions. I don't have it in front of me, uh, but they continued. And then, as you said, hit on that big fourth down on the scoring drive, what turned out to be the game-winning drive. Uh, yeah, just a disappointing performance all the way around, but – uh, defensively, just the way they let Vanderbilt run all over them, uh, the way Kentucky had played, they came into the game with the number eleven ranked uh, uh, defense as far as yards allowed per game in the country, and they gave up over four hundred and forty yards. Uh, okay, back to uh, on to the other side of the ball. The offense, uh, another disappointing performance. Had the ball many times in Vanderbilt territory, not able to punch in for touchdowns. Ended up with kicking three field goals to make it 14-9 to nine before they finally scored a touchdown. I agree 100%. I mean, Chris Rodriguez, who was almost especially in the third and fourth quarter, especially in the fourth quarter, was like, I'm not going to let us lose this game. I'm going to put this team on my back. But they couldn't get uh, through. I didn't, think, I didn't think Levis played particularly well. What did you think? No, I thought he was not very good. I thought there were some throws. And I think, you know, part of the problem in the red zone, in my opinion, is he's just not – accurate enough and you know the, the windows get compressed and the ball has to be in a particular spot and a lot of times he has a hard time getting it there um you know i do have sympathy for him and you know he got sacked four more times today i think what 39 now for the season and i to me to my untrained eye it looks to me like that is affecting him you know that it looks like you know when he drops back he's you know already sort of looking for you know the pressure and 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 I think that has has affected his play. Yeah, I mean, which would affect you know any quarterback. And I think yeah, that's, little, that's understandable. Yeah, and I think he gets a little jumpy in the pocket pocket when he does get you know uh, if he feels a little bit of pressure. Sometimes he may the amount of pressure not be even be there, but he feels it. Sometimes I think he holds on to the ball too long. But a lot of it that goes back to protection issues, you know, from the start. Um, Rich Gangarello, this is a tenth game. With Rich Gangarello as the offensive coordinator, uh, of course the fans are all up in arms. They want Rich Gangarello to go. Uh, our colleague John Hale asked Mark Stoops about a possibility of making some sort of change. He abruptly answered, "No." Uh, what do you do if you're Mark Stoops at this point? Well, that's a really good question. Uh, you know, <laughs> you know, obviously they've had three different offensive coordinators in three seasons. You know, you don't. You know that that's that's way too much turnover. You know, a fourth offensive coordinator in a fourth season—that's that's a lot of turnover. Right. You know, they've had four offensive line coaches in the last three years due to circumstances, and you know that that too would be a lot of turnover if you parted ways with both the guys who came from the 49ers, Scangarello, and the offensive line coach Zach Yenser. Now that being said, you know this. It just again it, to me, this team does not get better. I mean, I understand you know they're not as talented in the offensive line as Kentucky has been really since 2016. I mean that 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 that's apparent, but they haven't been able to figure anything out or scheme anything to alleviate what is the just the constant problem. And you know, I, and you know, everybody was down on Eddie Grand, but the year when all the quarterbacks got hurt, he at least found a way to move right. the ball and. You know they. You know it's it's just the same. It's just the same thing. It's been the same thing all year. They they just seem disjointed. You know I, I I continue to think you know 
or at least wonder if what they're running isn't too complicated for a college team. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's a tough decision. And I think they're, you know, unless something changes pretty dramatically quick, I think it is going to be a decision. Because the other thing you have to think about is re- both recruiting and also right. keep it, you know, keep retaining in a transfer portal world with, you know, NIL deals and all that. You know, people are going to be trying to, to you know, woo your, your young wide receivers off your roster. So you're going to have to factor that in, too. Right. Yeah. Portal poaching. You got to worry about being your, t- your young talent being porched. Uh, poached in the portal uh to me i mean mark's between a rock and a hard place here like you mentioned do you really want to make a change and have your fourth offensive coordinator in four years bring in a new offensive line coach you to me i don't think you can really change the scheme too much because you the guys you're trying to keep are like your young receivers barry on brown and dane key you've got a good young tight end couple of good young tight ends jordan dingle and josh caddis uh, you know, you want to try and keep those guys. To keep those guys, I think you've got to have a guy who's going to throw the ball. And is the offense more complicated this year than it was last year uh, when Liam Cohen ran it? I mean, Liam Cohen came from an NFL offense. Uh, you know, but on the other hand, you can't. Are you going to lose recruits because, uh, or and people or your own players because what you're running has not been very effective, has not been very successful. You know, to you know, again, I'm not. In any way, an X's and O's football. It does seem more complicated to me. It seems to me like there's more pre-snap motion. Yeah, and you know, it just that there's no flow to this. There hasn't been all year, really. Yeah, and and they just you know it takes them forever to run plays. And if you're going to play that way, then you've got to be super efficient because if you're limiting you know possessions, then you've got to make them count. And you know the 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 mistake prone identity that this team has pretty much had all year works against the the, the style they're, they're they're trying to play right no yeah i know i know yeah i mean it's going to be interesting to see obviously it's going to be very interesting to see what happens and then you know now you go you play the number one team in the country georgia coming in here a cbs game at three thirty on saturday uh I mean, do you expect Kentucky to bounce? I'm not saying that Kentucky can will beat Georgia or can beat Georgia, but do you think this Kentucky team, will they be able to bounce back emotionally and physically next week to at least put up a fight against Georgia? Or do you think, was this loss so devastating, it's going to kill them for the last two games of the season? I think that's an interesting question. You know, usually Mark's teams bounce back, you know, after losses. They certainly did, you know, after the South Carolina loss and played pretty well, at least in the second half against Mississippi State and got a big win. But yeah, I do wonder. I mean, you know, this was, this is a, this is bad. I mean, they lost to a team that had lost 26 conference games in a row. I mean, this, I mean, right. I mean, it's it's hard. There's no way to sugarcoat. This is a bad loss, and, and, it, and it was and it wasn't a loss where okay, Kentucky like committed five turnovers. You know, they they fumbled the ball all over the place. They threw a couple of ill-timed interceptions. I mean, they got outgained. You know, I think it was four forty-eight to three twenty-five or something like that. You know, like you said, if Kentucky had pulled out the win. It was like the the team that deserved to get the win didn't get the win in Vanderbilt because they just outplayed Kentucky pretty much all day. And the other thing to me, Kentucky finally gets – okay, they finally go ahead. Five minutes to go in the game, and then Vandy goes right back down the field. Obviously, you had a couple of bad breaks in that drive, like you mentioned, the Oxendine hands to the face call, and then you had Valentine get hurt. You had to sub, and they picked on the sub. But you've got to be able to overcome those things. And part of that was that you put yourself in that position, uh, you know, to begin with by your play, or to me, uninspired play 
uh, earlier in the game. So, um, uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, we'll see. Uh, just Georgia and Louisville left on the schedule, uh, and Georgia on Saturday. Uh, anything else? You, <laughs> I'm running out of things to ask about. Anything else you want? For, I well, want to I touch on basketball, I, but anything else you want to hit on? Yeah, I mean, I I think they're you know Kentucky had made a big recruiting push into Nashville. And I think that is that that was smart because Nashville is so rapidly growing, and there are a lot of new people that don't have deep allegiances to to the state of Tennessee. Right. And you know Tennessee had been pretty mediocre for a long time, and Vanderbilt, you know, has not been a very good football program. And you know you made this big push into Nashville recruiting, and now you got embarrassed, you know, beat just run off the field at Tennessee, and you lose to Vanderbilt in a game that breaks a twenty six game losing streak. I mean, right. It was this, I mean, this was just bad. Right. Yeah, I mean, you were you were four and zero and number seven in the country a few weeks ago. You've gone two and four since then. You're six and four, and it looks like you're looking straight at a six and six season. Uh, so, yeah, not a, not a good outcome. Uh, we'll talk about something a little more optimistic uh, after this break because I want to talk about the Kentucky Michigan State basketball game on Tuesday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, back here with Mark's story. Uh, Mark, uh, we both saw Kentucky's first two games last week where they beat uh, Howard and Drexel handily, but now they got Michigan State on Tuesday night in the Champions Classic up in Indianapolis. Uh, what are your thoughts about, first of all, how Kentucky's played in these first two games, and then uh, what, are your, uh, what, are you, what are you looking for on Tuesday? Well, to coin a phrase, I like this team. <laughs> okay. And then... Uh, that's a good I, phrase. You should trademark that. <laughs> I, you know, I, I think this team has a lot of a lot of answers, so to speak. You know, I think the outside shooting with Frederick and Reeves, you know, is a dimension. You know, I don't know that they've had two two guys that appear to be you know this reliable of, of three point shooters at the same time. You know, I think uh, they have more the defensive length, especially on the wings that, you know, sort of characterize Calipari's better teams at Kentucky. And I think that's something they missed last year. You know, once Oscar gets back, you know, I I think that takes care of, you know, some, you know, certainly the rebounding and some, you know, scoring on the block, you know, and, and, and then. You know, um, Ugana Onyenso has just been a revelation. I mean, he looks really good. And you know, I, I thought the one thing that they didn't really have was you know a great amount of rim protection because you know I didn't think they you know had you know, necessarily you know Oscar is not you know he's not right. that's not his deal, but maybe they do have that. And you know it'll be interesting. It's Michigan State. I'm going to assume Oscar's not going to play. I guess we'll see. Uh, I'm anxious to see, you know, against a really, you know, a team at their level, another high level team, you know, just, you know, if guys can, you know, you know, if that outside shooting holds, you know, when there's more defensive pressure and maybe the hands a little closer to your face and that kind of thing, I think, it, I think it's a good time for them to be tested. 
And to me, it's a good time for them to be tested by a team like Michigan State that you know is going to play a physical, hard-nosed brand of basketball. To me, the, uh, one of the things about the last couple of Calipari teams is that they have not been very physical teams. Oscar's physical under the glass as far as you know, grabbing rebounds and that sort of thing. But they didn't have a whole lot of physicality by their other players. They were a little, to me, they were longer and leaner players and, and not really the muscle kind of guys that we've seen from some of Calipari's teams in the past. This team with guys who are, you know, maybe not 6'9", 6'10", but are good physical presence in Chris Livingston and Cason Wallace. And Toppin's gotten a little bigger. I think he can he can play a more physical style. And Onyenso, even though Onyenso, he's 225, he, you know, he's not real, you know, I wouldn't say he's bulky by any means, but he's got such good length. Like, in, I mean, you're exactly right. He brings that shot blocking capability, which they haven't really had the last couple of years either. As you've mentioned on the podcast before, his best defensive teams have had those you know shot blockers. So if Michigan State is the typical Tom Izzo team that, you know, they'll put a shoulder in to you and they'll fight you on the boards, I think that's a good early test for this Kentucky team. Yeah, I agree. And I think Michigan State will be that. I mean, I think they're, you know, they're, I think they, they start, you know, they're an older, older team and they right. play three, three legitimate front court players. And, um, yeah, I think they'll be that test. You know, it was interesting. You know, they obviously, you know, took Gonzaga to the last second and arguably should have won that game. And Joey Hauser, who I thought was supposed to be their best player, had two points. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that, and you know they uh, Michigan State was not an AP top twenty five team, so you know they've got they got kind of a chip on their shoulder. Izzo's kind of had Tom Izzo's a great coach, he's a Hall of Fame coach, but they've been kind of down the last couple of years. Uh, so you know I know they're itching to get back in the way they played uh, Gonzaga, so it's going to be a tough game. A tough game on Tuesday, but I think it's a really good test for uh, Kentucky this early in the season. I think we, we've talked about this before. They've got four really good tests early uh, before they hit conference play. This is number one with the Michigan State, and then you know then we got you got Michigan. Uh, you got oh well, you got Gonzaga, then you got Michigan, and then you got uh, UCLA in New York. I don't think Louisville is going to be a test. Uh, I think Kenny Payne. It's going to be a long year for Kenny in his first year at Louisville. Yeah, we were, I, was, I was discussing that with one of our colleagues, and uh, we were discussing what how many games they were going to win. And you know, I I thought that, I thought Wright State they actually played Wright State closer than I expected because I think yeah. Wright State's pretty good, pretty good team, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, the when when you're in the position they are, the ACC is has the potential to not be very forgiving. No, no, <laughs> no, not in Kenny's year. I don't think anybody's going to feel sorry for Kenny in the ACC this year, feel sorry for Louisville. But, uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, Kentucky and Michigan State on Tuesday night up in Indianapolis. It's a 7 o'clock game on ESPN, so everybody check that out. Everybody check out our coverage this week as Kentucky plays Georgia and see if Kentucky can bounce back from this uh, loss today to Vanderbilt. Uh, Mark Stoops has his regular press conference on Monday. It'll be interesting to see what Mark has to say what kind of mood he is after the loss today. Uh, Mark Story and I will both be there. Be sure and follow Mark on Twitter at Mark C. Story. Check out his coverage all week, uh, for both for the Michigan State game on Tuesday and the Georgia game on Saturday. Thanks, as always, Mark, for being here. And thanks for uh, – we're recording this on Saturday night. Just let everybody know. Had some scheduling conflicts on my uh, part tomorrow. So thanks for uh, doing it tonight. Appreciate it, Mark. Thanks, John. 
That'll do it for this edition of the John Clay Podcast. My thanks, as always, to Mark Story. Follow him on Twitter at Mark C. Story. Check him out in the pages of the Lexanero Leader and online at Kentucky.com. Kentucky and Michigan State Basketball Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. Follow all our coverage leading up to, during, and after the game at Kentucky.com and my sidelines blog. And then Georgia-Kentucky football on Saturday. That's a 3.30 game on CBS. We have plenty of coverage leading up to that as well. Thanks again to Mark Story. Thanks again to everybody for listening, and we'll talk to you next time on the John Clay Podcast.